Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome once again to the Shannon Rollison podcast. I'm your host Robbie Cox, joined by the man himself, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how are you, mate? Yeah, good thanks, Robbie. Had a great weekend up at uh, Bathurst for the 12 hour. I heard um, there was some swimming coaches at country that did a 13 hour. <laughs> yeah, Oh, I mean, How are you? speaking of that, I mean, we've got Metropolitan Championships this weekend and the timeline came out Yeah, and fair dinkum. You, you're not wrong. The Saturday finishes at 6.30 something, 6.40, and Sunday night, keeping in mind coaches and swimmers all have to be up at 5 a.m. the next day, uh, 7 p.m. finish Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That'll bring the people back. That'll bring the people back. <laughs> oh, dear me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is what happens. It's all the 50 swimmers and stuff like that. There's like a thousand entries for 50s. And anyway, don't get me started. That's Shannon Rollison podcast. Um, so, <laughs> how was your 12 hour? Do you stay awake or what? Well, it was during the day. Okay. Started at 5.45. Yep. So, I got up for the start. It was Terrific, you know, in darkness and you could see the lights coming, but even before you could see the lights coming, you could hear the cars coming. Uh, it was just awesome. Took stacks of videos, um, got around to the pits. I was up the top of the pit straight um, having having a few beers there. Uh, the guy I was with, it was like, I must have been up 10 a.m. or something, and, um, <laughs> and he said, uh, Elsbeth, Oh, he's on his uh, – took a photo of me and said he's on his fifth beer. <laughs> Did you get a phone call straight away? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I usually get too when a friend sends a photo of me to the wife, get a call straight away. What are you doing? You know you got work tomorrow? Yeah, relax. It was all a joke. Don't stress yourself. But, no, it was, uh, it was awesome. I think the tenants were about 48,000. Uh, we were up the top camping. But um, the day before – after the qualifying, they opened the track and we walked the track and, geez, what a, such a magnificent racetrack, you know. Mm. I've driven around it, but the first time I've walked it and uh, when you drive around it, you can't believe how steep it is and stuff like that. Well, I'll tell you what, walking <laughs> is a whole new dimension. <laughs> it's 6.2 k's long. It's 174 metres elevation from top to bottom. And I think out of the 6.2, they'd be lucky to be 200 metres that's flat. Mm. <laughs> You're either going down or up. Yeah. Did um, You know, they've got that hotel there now. Have you ever thought of yeah. staying in the hotel? 
Or is it a bit oh, too yeah. pricey? I'd like to, if I could get myself organised, that's what I'll, I'll probably do. Um, big, It's a big ridges, but from the top of the mountain, it looks like a little boat. <laughs> it's quite a big building, actually, when you get down to it. But, um, no, nah, it was just awesome. You know, you had Porsches, Lamborghinis, uh, Audis, Mustangs. Uh, so you had all the different sounds, you know, mm. it sort of brought back races racing from years gone by um yeah with different makes and stuff whereas the supercars is just you know it's all pretty much the same um so i love that diversity and then you know after 12 hours eight eight cars on the last lap you know so yeah i must admit and i've said this before i'm not a big fan of it but we did when we um did a bit of a family holiday I don't know, a year or two ago, we, we went to Bathurst because you can go dri- <clears throat> drive around it and hop out and walk around yeah. or whatever. Um, and I remember driving and thinking, oh, I might not like watching it, but can I certainly appreciate people flying around here at a top speed, like mm. the, the skill and the precision and the, the athleticism. And I know everyone's going to be like, athleticism, you're sitting in a car, but how strong you'd have to be and how focused you'd have to be to take yeah. those turns and corners and, you know, they're not doing it like you or I. Well, probably you, you're you probably up there trying to <laughs> pretend you're in the race. <laughs> I, I don't worry as much. I was pottering about trying to make sure we're not getting run over by another car or something. But, um, yeah, I did. I definitely got an appreciation for the skill that they would have to have to execute those turns at a high speed for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no. But, uh, yeah, great weekend. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was good. No. Really pleased to do it. Very, very good, Shannon. Now, um, we're in the midst, Shannon, up here in Sydney of Taylor Swift mania. It's just going off. Um, I don't really get it, but everyone else is excited about it. Yeah, um, I've got two swimmers going to it. Yeah. Well, this weekend, um, <laughs> this weekend, for all those parents, if you are listening to this, do yourself a favour. Try and find another way to get in there or book. Like, it is legitimately all the parking is already paid for and pre-booked and done. You can't get a spot uh, unless you're going to the to the pool itself and, and those spots is first in best dress. So if you're not there at, you know, 5 a.m., you're probably not getting a spot. Um, so it's massive like that. On Tuesday night, we went to – my wife and I went to Matchbox 20 um, which was out there at Kudos Bank Arena, and they were they were fantastic. Goo Goo Dolls, Goo Goo Dolls were there as well. They were fantastic, but already all the merchandise stands were up for Taylor Swift. About there were like thirty tents. Of t- <laughs> like how much merchandise has this chick got? And she'll probably sell it all out. <laughs> so I tell you, she's she's on a winner. She's savvy. She's very good financially. Very. Very, she's on a winner. She had, to, she just went to uh, dinner at Surrey Hills, and it was like the Beatles were there. Mm. There's just people everywhere. So, uh, if you are listening to this and you're going to Metro, do yourself a favour. Uh, really look at the the space of the car, and yeah, well, how are you going to get in there? And if you can just drop the kids off or whatever, because it's it's going to be chock a block. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, Matchbox Twenty, very good. What was the last concert you went to? Hmm. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, the boss. In Denmark. Okay. Well, that was a while ago. you got to go to a concert. Yeah, I'm not big on concerts. No? I don't like people. You do. 
<laughs> there is that element, I must admit. There is that element. We we sat in the row. <clears throat> we we got these seats. They were pretty high up, but it, I don't mind high because you get to see everything as well. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this old mate next to me just kept getting up. He's got to go again. He's got to go again. He's got to go again. I think, what is this guy? What did he pay money for? <laughs> just, just, so I know what you mean. Like it was, I didn't say anything. It was just nice and just, because mainly because the wife kept tapping me, just <laughs> let it go, let it go, let him get out. At one stage, I was like, I wanted to say, just sit down, honestly. You're just, you're getting in the way of the, of the show. But they were very good, Matchbox 20. So, and there's lots of concerts and, and things going on at the moment. So do yourselves a favour, get out there. Yeah, I've probably only been uh, six or seven, I would think. Maybe eight, but yeah. So, yeah, that was my last one. So Pseudo Echo. Pseudo Echo was my first one. Okay. So that was was a dollar and four cents. (laughs) And four cents. Dollar and four cents. If you didn't have the right money, you had to pay five bucks. It was one of those radio type ones. It was yeah. at Festival Hall in Brisbane. Okay. I you saw Ice House at uh, Expo 88. Yep. Uh, U2. And that was in 97. And also in 97, it was a big year, 97. <laughs> uh, Elton John and Billy Joel. Oh. Yeah. So that, that they. Uh, they were together, so yeah. Isn't it uh, crazy? Those two was well. I think Elton's stopped touring now, but still knocking about. Billy Joel just brought our song. Oh yeah, did he? Mm, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's very good. He did. So. Um, but yeah, no, um, very good stuff. And now, for anyone listening today, we are going to do a song at the end um, as part of Shannon's great new initiative, Song of the Week. It's called Drop the Pilot. So as per usual, I've never heard of it. But I'm sure I'm sure it's gonna be uh I'm sure it's gonna be a banger. Can't wait. I actually don't mind when you when there's ones I haven't heard, because then I'm actually listening for the first time as the listeners are listening. Yeah, I just try to be a bit different, you know. Yeah. Like to be different. No, I'm I'm with you. Now, Shannon, obviously people listening to this podcast today have read the title of it and they know what they're in for. Um, now, there's been a bit of news this week around, um, uh, certainly from uh, up in Queensland, that they want to try and relocate the AIS to Queensland, to Brisbane, um, from the awful Canberra. Those are quotes from Liesl Jones. Now, Liesl, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, is on um, the radio up there on Triple M, so obviously... Um, the calls for the AIS to be relocated uh, would have been brought to her attention on the on the radio show, and she's given her uh, two cents on that. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a quick read here for everyone listening. If you if you're not caught up on this, um, just to give everyone a rough idea of what we're talking about, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll get into it. it. Says Australian swimming legend Liesl Jones has backed calls for the Australian Institute of Sport to be relocated to Brisbane, away from the uninspiring and awful Canberra. I didn't add those words, by the way. They were there. News Corp on Monday reported the AIS chair, John Wiley, and director, Andrew Fraser, uh, wanted a new facility in Queensland to be up and running ahead of the Brisbane 2032 Olympics. 
current AIS facility in Canberra opened in 1981. AIS was established after Australia failed to win a single gold medal in Montreal 1976. Um Speaking on her radio show, Liesl said, Canberra in the middle of winter is the most awful place to be, especially when you're a swimmer. Uh, if you're doing summer sports, it's a terrible place as well to train and prepare for anything because it's the coldest place you'll ever go. I don't know about that. I think there's colder places to go than Canberra. Pretty sure there are. Pretty sure there is. Uh, maybe she just hasn't ventured too far outside of there. Uh, it's not terribly inspiring and every time you go there, you get put in the worst accommodation. Uh, typically, Australian swim teams, uh, most of the people are from Queensland to start with anyway, she argued. Um, so, I mean, we can we can keep going through this, but I, I guess everyone can kind of um, see, see what we're going for here. The Queensland Premier, Stephen uh, Miles, added his support. Um, this new new guy in because Palaszczuk is gone, if anyone remembers Palaszczuk up there. So I think everything should move from Canberra to Brisbane. Canberra's an awful place. Who would want to go to Canberra? I mean, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> these, these people are just going in. They're not even, you know. So I, I guess um, I thought we needed to talk to this today, Shannon, because, well, clearly, they, you know, they're talking about the place that you work at. Um, and I, I did say to you, I think this is some payback because they've been listening to the podcast up there and they know that we, you go in on, on Queensland a lot up there. So now they're, they're trying to get back at you. Uh, <laughs> what, what, when you first read these and saw this and you've been hearing about it because they've been chatting about this stuff and let's take, I guess, Liesl's comments out of it. Let's, you, you know that they're, that's what they're looking at doing or wanted to do. What did you think of that? Uh, yeah, so this has been on the cards for probably six months or so, maybe longer, but um, probably six months that uh, where you sort of knew they were going to make a decision one way or the other. I, I, I thought under the current economic conditions, uh, I didn't ever think it would get up uh, just because it was they can revamp the facilities that are already at the AIS um, for a lot less money than creating a new brand new facility somewhere in Brisbane, which to be honest, I don't even know where they'd put it, you know, um, out the back docks, um, out towards Ipswich, maybe Liesl's from Redcliffe, uh, back in the day, it was known as Deadcliffe. So maybe they were thinking about having it there, uh, or behind Deadcliffe, there's yeah. a place called Deception Bay. Yeah. What was that called? Desperate Bay. <laughs> um, maybe they were going to have it there, you know, out in the boondocks in the middle of nowhere. Mm, um, mm. But um, I, I just couldn't see where you would put it. And, and would it even – would the uh, would the QAS even want the AOS there? I, I, I would see that as a bit of a conflict. Um, so, yeah, and then, then when you've got uh, – I think early this year or very late last year, I saw a, a poll of Queenslanders, 78% don't even want the Olympics. So I'm pretty sure they'd be up in arms about, you know, a big expense at, um, you know, what for what for, you know. So yeah. I, I didn't really think it was ever going to get up. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. When you listen to some of those comments, it sounds more personal than uh, an educated uh, comment. 
Um, if I'm being honest, it just sounds like she didn't like Canberra, so she's just saying, ah, Canberra's a whole of a place. Yeah. Um, and, so, you know, it, it, it's not, they're not talking about the, the swimming pool, mm. swimming. They're talking about the entirety of the AIS. So yes. it's more than just swimming. There's more sports out there than that. So, um, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, when I heard the, the Premier, I'm like, oh, I thought this before. Now, now I really think it. Queensland needs a new Premier. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be voting him in. Yeah. I think his nickname's Giggles, <laughs> and he didn't come across as, you know, too much IQ. So no, well, who does that? They've got their own problems up there, you know, with the crime rate and everything. So mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well, look, the, the, my question to you is how would it even kind of work anyway? Because what what – maybe Liesl's looking at and maybe she still remembers because she's not been in the game for a yeah. long time and she wouldn't know what the AIS is kind of doing at the moment and what and how it runs and, and especially the pool and the, the facility where you're at and that teams more more often than not it's used more for teams and training um uh, training, camp. training camps and sorry yeah training camps and stuff like that you've got your squad and program out of there and I think is Yuri still there with his Who's uh, not Yuri? Um, Marty Roberts. Okay, Marty Roberts is there. He's got the a Paralympic team getting in their training. So it's not kind of what it was and what what it's what it you know what maybe she remembers it to be. So relocating an AIS to Queensland, I don't really see how that works because they've already got all their hubs and their high performance areas and all that sort of stuff. Are we to believe that they're all going to go train at this AIS pool? harmoniously with all, you know, four or five podium coaches in there at the same time with, like, it's not going to work. Why would they want to? Yeah. No. And then why move a training uh, programmer for training camps that you go t- 10 minutes down the road? Like what would be the point of that anyway or 20 minutes or th- whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, the AIS is completely different than what it was between 1981 and 2016. Um, the uh, actively the swim program really probably stopped in 2012 after the London Olympics. Uh, it existed there afterwards, but it wasn't in a proactive way um, like it was. You know, it was a fully endorsed swimming program um, where you just sort of came in, no expense um, to the athlete and and they were, everything was covered. And um, as I've said in the past, you know, I I, uh, I really sort of looked for those regional country kids to give them an opportunity to, um, you know, train in a, a great facility um, with coaches that they probably wouldn't always get that sort of calibre of coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then I think... Uh, now the AIS divvies out divvies out money. Well, and when I say AIS, I really should be saying the Australian Sports Commission, mm-hmm. um, and they give the money to the sports, and then it's up to the sports on how they use that money. I think last time I heard it was, I think swimming's about sixteen million, um, and then you know swimming's come up with this uh, hub program that they have up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's one in Melbourne. Adams in Sydney, 
and then you've got the rest in oh, South Australia with Peter. Yep. Um, uh, and then the rest of them are up there. Does WA get a run? I don't know if I don't know if that's a hub program or is it performance program. So mine's a performance program. Okay. It's got nothing to do with Swimming Australia. I, I, I don't know with WA. Okay. Um, anyway, the uh, one of the one of the issues with those you know with those hubs uh, or the performance um, yeah the hubs. You know, they're very heavily resourced mm. and a lot of good swimmers don't get to have those opportunity of resource. So filming or lactates, um, biomax sort of stuff, things like that. So one of the things that sort of has happened in the last sort of 12 months or so, uh, Swimming Australia is sort of ramping up these camps um, and using the AIS as a as a location um, for this sort of next generation type athlete, you know the up and comer um, sort of post Paris, um, and you know we're doing fil- they're doing filming. I mean, I ran the breaststroke one, uh, so we're trying to upskill um, and get ahead of the game in that in that respect. Get our eyes on on some of the top talent coming through. Um, Actually, I was only in a meeting yesterday um, with the uh, pool centre, and I'll have to talk to Lee Nugent, but, you know, one of the remarks of, of the camps, I think it came off the back of the relay camp that Simon Cusack ran, was the wet plate. So currently the only wet plate um, block in the country is up in Brisbane. So like Bronte... Is going to fly up. She's flown up once before, um, late last year. She's going to fly up two days, and she's booked to go in on Tuesday the sixteenth for some wet plate testing and starts. You know, be great if we had it here in Canberra. We used to have it here in Canberra, Mm. Um, but you know, when your camps are coming in, everyone that's on that camp could get get some great analysis of of the wet plate. You know, the other thing about that pool is. You know, you're not you're not having to fight with public. You haven't got anyone else in there. You can, you know, run it at any time you want. Um, so, I actually think it needs to be investment needs to be in things like the wet plate and things like that that athletes don't get. You know, all the biomech stuff should be up to scratch, um, and then you could be really pumping out a lot of information across a lot of people. Um, and as we all know, as coaches, the earlier you get on top of a problem, the better, uh, and the more chance you've got of, um, you know, changing the direction of that b- bad behaviour, whatever that may be, whether mm. it's swimming, diving, turning. So, so that's you know what it is at the moment. There's no sort of set program, so. You know, I, I just don't see how um, – I, I do think probably Lisa is thinking, you know, what it used to be like. And, you know, I could never get my head around why Swimming Australia back in the day used to always have camps in July. And, uh, you know, with my um, my trainer thought, I always thought it was a conspiracy. <laughs> uh, poo-poo Canberra. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe I was right. The um, – <laughs> 
And even even today when the guy's coming in for camps and they've got him in there at 5.30 in the morning, I'm like, why aren't you just starting at 7.30? Like, where are they, what are they doing? Mm. Yeah, you know, and I've said it to Lee Nugent. I've, I've said it to anyone who will listen, really. Um, come in at a decent hour, you know, why, why are you doing the same training times as if the kids are running off to school, you know? Well, where are they going? They're going nowhere. They've got all the time in the world. So that flexibility is a great asset, and we, we wouldn't want to lose that. Um, and I know, you know, this has been talked about forever. Swimming Australia's got no control over any pool in the country. Um, they're all run by everybody else. Mm. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I think that's a bit of a, a problem. But, you know, the AIS pool in Canberra is is the one pool where, you know, they can book it out. I don't think there's much of a cost, um, if any. Mm. Um, and you can, you can get a lot of people in there. And, you know, so I, I think that's these, those sorts of camps that I just described as the way to go forward. Pretty sure Lee Nugent thinks the same. Everyone that's been on them seen them as a positive. So, you know, you fly into... Brisbane, wherever this pool, where's that pool going to be? You're going to have to, yeah, feasibility is just out the window, isn't it? Um, they'll be building a pool for the Olympics. They won't be building a pool for, you know, to to um, mimic the one here in Canberra, even though there's two pools here in Canberra. So I just never thought it was going to get up. Mm. Uh, well, I just... As I mentioned before, just the way the structure is at the moment and the way uh, Swimming Australia have all the different setups with the hub programs and performance programs and then how Queensland is set up, I just don't get what an AIS – let's just speak to swimming specifically because obviously in other sports, you know, I've got no idea um, if it would benefit them or not. But <clears throat> in terms of swimming – what are you going to – let's have training camps 10 minutes away. I can't imagine <clears throat> Dean Boxall and, and Bowley and those guys going, well, why are we doing a training camp there? We just do it here. Well, yeah. what are we wasting time and money and all that to travel? And Whereas I guess when you're doing training camps in Canberra, so sort of doubling back to Liesl's point and, and kind of <clears throat> what you mentioned as well, is it worth maybe <clears throat> investing more in – the AIS itself now and making the accommodation. I don't know. I haven't stayed there, but is it, is it, is it, is it slowly deteriorating the accommodation and stuff? I mean, the pool itself still goes all right. Obviously, as I said, oh, you just mentioned a few modifications maybe, but is it more of a, a thing of investing more in what you've already got? Cause by the looks of it, as I said, with the structures you've all, everyone's got set up, makes more sense for teams to travel to, the AIS in Canberra and do training camps there as a, a team because yeah. it's away from everything and everyone's converging together in one place that's, you know, fairly central to most other than uh, Western Australia, obviously. Well, it's uh, even closer to Australia. Western Australia than Brisbane is, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, the accommodation, she would have stayed in the older accommodation, Um and that was because your residential accommodation when she would have been coming down, and she would have come down like once a year. Um, 
the uh, the, resi- the residential accommodation, the original one, um, that's where the camps used to go because they built a new resi- residential accommodation in 2007, 2009, around about that time. Um, so Liesl would never have got in there because uh, there was residential athletes in there. Yeah. Now being a camps-based um, facility site, uh, a lot of the camps that come in now, they stay in the new resis, even okay. though the new resis are about 17 years old. Yeah. Um, so it's completely different. So, you know, if they were going to um, add to um, the residents, there's certainly space on, on the site, you know, nothing needs to get knocked over. Mm. There's enough space. Yeah. Um, they're actually going to build a new football stadium uh, yeah, on the AIS facility. Yeah, okay. so that, that for the Raiders and yeah, it's for footy, soccer, the whole lot. Okay, indoor. So yeah, and, indoor. And, and, What's with these people? Well done, whoever came up with that. Who keeps building stadiums without roofs in 2024? Build a stadium with a roof. Yeah, it's going to rain one day. It's going to storm one day. It just eliminates the whole thing of calling things off and making yeah. poor Taylor Swift run out in the rain. Just put, well, that, put a roof a good, on it. It's a good point with that you just brought up about the weather, and that's one of the other things you know with the with Canberra. I mean, you know, Cam, um, swimmers go, "Oh, it's cold." You know, for a summer sport, it's an indoor pool. Yeah, uh, everybody's in shorts and t-shirt, no matter what the temperature is outside. Yeah, uh, it can be. You know, if you're going to do biomech work, you don't want a windy afternoon, you know, when you're trying to do biomech work. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I I think you need an indoor facility if you're going to do anything from a technical point of view. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, that was contentious point here in Canberra. They were going to have it in the city, Um but I always thought, again, you know, putting a stadium, um, you know, the AOS f- facility, it's like six kilometres from the city. Yeah, it's not that know. far. No. So, uh, yeah, and that's the thing. If you're going to build something like an, an AOS and put it somewhere else in the country, it needs to be around things, you know. Mm. It needs to be close to, to things. I, I just don't know if you're going to get that anymore. No, well, I would think if they're going to build a new stadium, I know we're getting sidetracked uh, at the AIS, um, instead of putting it near the city, yeah, put it near the AIS and just build your your tram lines and that yeah. sort of stuff to to go out there so people can still stay in the city and, yep. and head out nice and easy. Yeah, That's absolutely. Why, why clog up your city? It's not that far away to to travel to to the AIS um, and to to where the stadium is now, but um, yeah, no, I thought it, we needed to, as I said, address those comments and and the whole idea of the AIS, you know, potentially shifting or moving because, as I said, it, it does directly impact what you're doing and where you're at now. Well, um, the other thing, Robbie, I'll bring up, like, if you're going to be an athlete and you, you know, everyone talks about well being and all that that stuff you need to be training in a city 
that you can easily get around, and that is just getting harder and harder. Mm. Uh, it's been hard for Sydney um, residents and athletes for, what, probably 30 years? You know, it's getting harder now in Brisbane. Um, so, yeah, athletes and administrators and all that, they need to, you know, they talk the, about well-being and life after sport, but, well, if that's the case, if you truly believe in that, you've got to be able to have athletes who are studying for life after sport and they can't be sitting in cars for three hours a day no. commuting. So, you know, people have these grand ideas and something's the best place, but you've got to think about the day-to-day runnings and impacts of, of that athlete. They're training four to, four to five hours a day. Mm. Can't, they haven't got time to be sitting in a car for three of them. No, and if we're being honest... Um, Brisbane's only going to get busier. The, oh. the housing prices have gone up yeah. ridiculously. So, you know, more and more people are moving there, more and more people are living there, and they might have said, oh, it's not like Sydney, but it's not going to be that long till it is like Sydney. Yeah. So does it really make sense to put a <laughs> the AIS in an area where it's basically like having it in Sydney anyway? The other thing I was going to mention to you, Shannon, or ask you, um, with these training camps and in terms of people go, oh, it's too cold. Isn't it important to put these athletes in positions where they're going to be a little bit uncomfortable to yeah. be able to get through it? Because when you go to, as you've mentioned on the podcast before, when you go to Olympic Games or Commonwealth Games and things like that, you don't just get your ideal situation where you get set up in a lovely five-star hotel and you know, bed and breakfast and get looked after, sometimes you do have to go through a little bit of adversity. And let's be honest, it's not really that much adversity. It's no. just putting a jacket on and maybe a beanie when you walk into the pool. Um, well, the thing about Queensland is, mm. you know, they'll be in, uh, it'll be minus five and they'll be freezing outside and they'll be talking about how cold it is and they've got thongs on, <laughs> you know. Like, you just shake your head. That's what. Ah, you just didn't want to take them on because you just like they might be able to swim, but they couldn't do anything else. Dress <laughs> themselves properly. Um, yeah, the Danes say there's no such thing as bad weather; it's just bad clothing. Yeah, boy, boy, every Queenslander needs to hear that one. So, you know, and like we said earlier, you know, there's a lot of places where you know you got to shovel snow to get your car out. You're not going to do that before you go training in, in Canberra. So uh, there was a couple of times I had to do that in Denmark. So, <laughs> Oh, dearie me. Now, yeah, look, as I said, I, I think ultimately, I mean, there's no decisions being made. I guess these comments are all just to try and push people's agendas and yeah, push what they want to push. But as I said, to me, I don't really see how – um, I can't even imagine if the top Queensland coaches and the QAS, QAS and Drew all sat around. I can't imagine that they're going, yeah, let's – I think they're pretty happy with the way everything's kind of set up. Gene has given them the bank details. So yeah. just, just, they've got a fair bit of coin. What <laughs> more do they need? I think they're right. I mm. think they're okay up there. <laughs> I think they're doing – 
more than okay up in Queensland with the funding and the access to all of the things that they have, uh, certainly from the stories that you and I hear about, you know, how many, you know, different sports scientists and stuff are on pool deck at these hubs and all these sort of things. I, I think they're, they're doing okay. So I don't necessarily, as I said, I don't want to speak on other sports. Maybe other sports it, it might work up there. I'm not sure. But from a swimming perspective, I just don't see what's what's the point. And the other thing that I want to circle back to in terms of, it, you know, when you look at business models, um, and at the end of the day, sometimes we do need to look at swimming a little bit like this. It's not a good business model to keep pumping up your one place of bit like one place of business in the Queensland if you've got five or six others. So for example, if Swimming Australia is the business owner and they've got six different shops, let's say, it's not a great business model, do you think, to just keep pumping one shop yeah. and not and shit canning all the other shops and then wondering why the other shops aren't improving in business? It yeah. doesn't really make sense. So Oh, Again, totally what, what, what do they need to keep pumping up this shop? Well, then shut all your other shops. Shut all <laughs> your other shops because it's you're wasting money at this stage. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, are you utilizing your best people productively? You know, are people standing around where they could be doing more work, more productively somewhere else? Mm. So, um, yeah. And yeah. I like Queensland, don't get me wrong. I probably see myself retiring up there and living up there when I'm older. And um, I, I like Queensland. I have no issues with the Queensland coaches and all that sort of stuff and the Queensland swimmers. And that's Shannon's, that's Shannon's thing about the thongs. I'm not, I'm not a part of that. If anyone wants to chase Shannon, don't you? <laughs> uh, sweating in humidity, buddy. Is that what you say? Actually, when you get the, older, you want to sweat the humid, more. Yeah, the humidity Brisbane was just a bit much. But um, when, I, you know, when I'm saying about the business models and stuff, that's from a Swimming Australia point of view and that's from a, a, a you know, a general over-the-top point of view. That's not the coaches. The, co the coaches are just doing their best. Swimmers are doing their best and all that sort of stuff. So it's not to do with them, but I just don't see how it's smart business to keep propping up one one place instead of really working hard on all the others. Yeah, I and think part they of can it say is. that they do, Shannon. But where does the where does the uh, media go to? Where does the notoriety go to? You listen to as you, you've mentioned on here before, which got us in trouble with a few coaches behind the scenes uh, with the commentary on um, you know Queensland swimmers. Oh, they've moved to Queensland, so they're going great now. So it's always just propped up that way, and it's 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 now built into not only at the top, but it's, it works its way down. Mm. Does that make sense? So I, I don't, yeah, I just don't see how giving the AIS to Queensland helps them go any better than they're already going. They're already going great. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that government wants, they want a direct link between a medal and money, you know? Yeah. And it's just short-term sort of thinking. So... Um, you know, the government will give swimming more money if they hit their KPIs. Um, then they want to know how they spent that money. They need to see that that money was spent and that made, you know what I mean? It's just this sort of, and it was around even when I was at the AIS, you know, you'd be in 
meetings and stuff like that. No, I just think it's short-sighted. I think sports are it's bigger than that, you know. The the benefits of sport isn't always just in a medal. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, when, when people start saying, oh, they're wasting money if, if you're not getting medals, I think it's a dangerous, slippery slope and uh, there should be – it should be a broader um, KPI impact than just a, a gold medal and, and and if it's not a gold medal, then we're wasting our money, you know. Mm. Well, you would imagine whoever comes up with that sort of thinking is fairly uneducated and more of a no. Nah, unfortunately, not. <laughs> well, oh, hey, I, I lived it. I well, that's I, what I was going to bring up. Like, since we're talking about, like, you know, what what kind of pressures have you faced in the past? Not now, but in the past, because we can talk about the past now. Yeah, um, the, the statute of limitations don't apply anymore. You won't get in trouble um, because, let's say, for example, they do it. Let's say they move the AAS to Queensland. Along with that, as you just said, is going to come pressure to now produce bigger performances. I don't even think our performances, especially in the pool, have been anything to be worried about anyway. I don't know. I don't necessarily know how many more gears we have to shift up other than just cleaning the pool full of gold, which is never going to happen. So you, you would imagine if they did it, it's going to come with pressure. What, and you would have felt that in the past. What what what's that kind of environment like when, you know, people are kind of telling you, well, hey, listen, this has been propped up for, for results. You better produce. Yeah, well, my entire time at the AIS was like that, and the results had to be gold. You know, I think we came back from a meet. Uh, it was probably 09 Worlds. You know. My least favourite of all. I was going to say that one, which <laughs> everyone knows that one. Um, and, you know, I, I think we had one gold and, you know, eight silvers or something like that and um, it relays and and uh, I thought it was pretty good meat and uh, the response was not enough gold medals. Um, when you say that, you don't have to name names. But in terms of a, a, a person, is it somebody who was well within swimming that you would assume they should understand how that was a good meet? Or is this someone who's more of a politician who's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. AIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people in AIS management. Okay. So got no idea. Um, yeah, when Belinda won silver in Shanghai, it was like, yeah, but it wasn't a goal. Yeah. <laughs> The person who beat her was the Olympic champion the following year, and she was 20 centimetres taller than her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I was a bit of a smart ass. When, when Alicia Coots won, like, I don't know, five gold medals at 2010, yeah. I went and bought, you know those chocolate gold coins? Mm. I went and bought a bag of them and threw it, oh, threw it on their desk. <laughs> They saw the funny side of it. We all did they? Up. Well, I'm glad um, for your sake they did. <laughs> it was one of my better moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, well, you know, that, yeah. That, that, type of pressure, you know, it, it, it wears you down. There's no doubt about that. 
Well, I can imagine, you know, however they want to set this up or they're looking at setting it up, obviously it's it's just a thought at this stage. Um, and they've, they've obviously got plans and things behind it and how they think they can execute it. But as we just touched on, I think it's going to come with pressure to – and then and does that then bleed onto the coaches and the athletes in 2032? It's already going to be a home games. You don't need to put pressure on people – at all because it's already a home games the pressure is on themselves at that yeah. stage right so but they're not they're not going ahead with it are they no well it's, it's, just, it's, it's all well it didn't say it had been canned so i don't know oh, okay well anyway the, the ais site's remaining so mm. um, but yeah anyway let's move on <laughs> I got as much out of him as I could, people. I don't think he really wanted to talk about it today, but I was like, we've got to. We've got to. We've got to touch on this. Um, all right, let's move on. What about AIS, what do you think? AIS is staying. Queensland can get stuffed. So the <laughs> world, cha- world champs uh, in Doha um, wrapped up last week. Uh, I think Australia finished second or third on the medal count. Third, I think it was. Third on the medal count. Um, a horrible time in terms of watching it. But you had because you had to watch the replays because I'm not getting up at three a.m. Um, and then you'd sort of catch the back end of the finals. But um, yeah, we had some great racing over there. Yeah, I think, like obviously I went um, to Bathurst to watch the motor racing and missed the. Um, I basically missed a bit of Saturday and Sunday, but um, I saw the footage of Cam McAvoy's final. I think if you're a coach, every coach should watch that. Um, yeah. I um, certainly said to some of my, well, my squad, you know, if you hadn't seen that, you should get your eyes on that. Um, yeah, Sa- Sam Williamson's win in the 50 breaststroke was fantastic. Mm. How he was just about able to keep his composure, hold his stroke length and come through the field. And that's exactly what the winner from Ukraine did in that men's 53. Um yeah, wouldn't it have been great? You know, imagine if you know, you wanted to win some money and you knew the future and you could stop things. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So you could stop something at the 25. We're talking you know, like a back yeah, to the future back. type deal with Biff, Biff Buchanan or whatever his name was. He had the, the book. Oh, with, yeah, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Imagine if you had stopped it. <laughs> At the twenty-five and gone right out. We're, we're taking bets. Yep. I mean, I, I think I saw this. Uh, the Ukraine guy. He was half a second, point four or point five behind at the fifteen meter mark. Yeah. And his stroke frequency at the end of that race was fifty-three. I mean, what what an example of stroke length in swimming. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was it was refreshing to see actually. So. Uh, so I think there's. You know, while I don't agree, you know, with the amount of world championships that are going on in this Olympiad, playing catch up and all that sort of stuff, um, I think like any any uh, sport, you know, you learn things from the uh, from the best people, and I think that meet had had some good learnings in it. You know, um, think that uh, yeah, looking at countries, I think China had a awesome meet. Korea had a had. Uh, a great meet for for their standards. Um, Netherlands, New Zealand ended up with two gold medals. 
uh, individual gold medals. Netherlands had a good meet. Yeah, they won a relay, individual gold in the 100. And, and you know, people might say, oh, not everyone was there. Yeah, that's true, and it obviously will change things. But nevertheless, there were some world-class swims, and there will be people there that have put themselves in the mix for Paris. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was good. Well, those young, the young girls that joined the Australian team on debut, Iona Anderson and Jacqueline Barclay, walked away with medals. Yeah, they both swam really Individual well. Individual medals. So that's huge for their confidence. Yeah. So they've gone to another level, uh, which is good for Australia because we've been lacking depth in that backstroke area. Um, the relays, yeah, and... Yeah, there was some, you know, obviously there were some swims that I thought people would swim faster in and, you know, but um, and, and I just sort of looked to the future. I think yeah, it's going to be interesting after after Paris, isn't it, with, with retirements. I know we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. But you only need a couple of people not to be in a relay and all of a sudden you're back in the field quite quickly, aren't you? Mm-hmm. 100%. So, Hey, um, just touching back on on Cam, how, how important is it looking ahead and, and for the coaches listening out there that a lot of the commentary around swimming at the moment is very based around programming and get your program right. And it's not wrong, I'm not saying that, you know, no. obviously getting the program right is important, but how, mu- how much of it when it comes to race time is between the ears because what we see at the top level which, um, you know, I've, I've never coached at before and a lot of listeners to this podcast have probably never been to that level. Um, they almost become back to 13, 14-year-old kids again where, you know, they're overthinking things and, you know, they overrate at the beginning or they underrate at the beginning or all of a sudden they don't know their pacing because they've just overthought it a bit too much. And how important is, is the mental preparation at, at that level? Well, it's everything and... You, you can have the best. You can have the best swim in the semis. You can have the best swim in the heat. You know, if it's just the heat in a final, still doesn't mean you're going to do it in in the final if your head's not in, in the right place. And I think when you know you see mistakes made, it's because of what's going on before that gun goes. Yeah. Uh, because you take away the meat, the pressure and all that stuff, and they can execute it. One of the things, you know, and this has gone on for a long time, support and backing and stuff like that, you know, again, people want to see the direct connection between money and performance. Yeah. And that is quite hard to do in the psychology space. So everyone's a little bit hesitant go there um, because it's a tricky area. You know, I've worked a lot with a a number of psychologists and I think I might have said it uh, before on the podcast. If I haven't, I'm about to. The, The relationship between the coach and the athlete is paramount. I don't think the psychologist needs to get in between that. Yeah. I think the psychologist needs to communicate with the coach about what's going on with the, the swimmer. Yeah. 
I think one of the things that we've done or sport has done is put too many people between the swimmer and the coach. Mm. They're all the same people, but they're in between the swimmer and the coach now. And some some of it's because of, uh, you know, personal, you know, what, what do they call it, <sighs> information, whatever, and, you know, people don't want it. All oh, a bit of confidentiality type confidentiality, stuff. Confidentiality, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's always been confidentiality, but now yeah. it's just about it on it on everything at every level. Yeah. Um. But they're just layers of of interference, you know. So, you know, the the best example that I've had is when the psychologist is obviously talking one on one with with the athlete. But then you're working one-on-one with the psychologist and then you know what you're better informed on what to say and not to say yeah. with the athlete. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the last person they see before they go out is you, you know. So We've all had that where we've said something and you see their face change and you think, oh. Yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, too late. Go on, out yeah. there. Oh, and it just happened to be the Olympic final. Bingo! <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the worst because you can't take it back, and you're like, I didn't even mean it like that. I don't know why that would have triggered that response, but you just see it on their face straight away. It, it just changes the whole. Yeah, thing. or they come with that face to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you're thinking, oh, this isn't good. Mm. Well, that's a little well, bit easier to swallow because at least I know it's not my fault then. <laughs> I, I, I hate it when I know it's my fault. But I know you're, you're right. And, I, I mean, the other example we saw at the World Champs in terms of uh, pressure producing different results is uh, Mr. Peter Pan from China. His name's not Peter Pan. His last name's Pan. Um, <laughs> when he broke the world record 46-8 uh, yeah. in the relay, but then in, in his individual event, I think it was 47.57 or something, which isn't a yeah, slice win, but it's certainly not race. a world record. Yeah, I watched that race. It was interesting. He, he got the win, which was good for him. Yeah. And he just got the win, though. Just. Um, yeah, he sort of certainly made it hard for himself. Yeah, he didn't swim the same race, did he? No, nah, no, nah, not at all. So, you know, I think that guy, you know, I think the men's under free is going to be, yeah, we talked a lot about the women's 400 free. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably the men's hundred free is going to be even better. Uh, you know, uh, wouldn't have said that before the worlds. You now after the worlds, mm. oh, there's another player. So what about uh, the South African girl Shannon in the two hundred breaststroke two nineteen? Did you no, see that? she was Dutch. Oh, was Dutch she? Girl. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Oh, I, well, anyway, I, you would have seen the two hundred breaststroke. You would have seen. I actually, the- yeah, I watched. I watched it, um, and I thought she was quite good in the semi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought technically she was quite good. I thought Katie Douglas uh, looked a little bit off in the semi, but obviously, you know, she just swam um, the uh, 100 free. She, I think she ended up fourth in that 100 free, didn't she, um, in the final. And she was probably trying to hold back, and sometimes that can, you know, you know not be positive from a technical point of view when you're sort of trying to make something easier. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I just I, I thought she was just technically not quite right. But uh, and then the final, I actually didn't see the final. Um, so I think it was on my Bathurst weekend. So, but I watched the semi. Um, and yeah, the Dutch girl's thrown a hat in the ring, hasn't she? Yeah, and she's been around a while now, and she's been actually quite consistent. And she's just chipped away. She's now got under two twenty. Um, that's a good benchmark, isn't it? Two nineteen. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, Rebecca Sony went broke two twenty in um, in London, and there'd be. Well, I know there was only a handful of, of swimmers that have done it. And then the is there there's been what three in probably the last eighteen months. There's probably about eight eight girls now. Mm. I think so from still not ten. I think from memory I saw oh, somewhere that yeah, she was she's ranked now sixth or seventh or something with yeah. with the time she went. So you you're probably right there. Yeah, well, you, that- you still haven't got I mean, Rega was the most consistent. Been under two twenty five times. Uh, her sixth best time was two twenty point oh. So we're still yet to see that sort of level of consistency, mm. which is that's the real thing. That yeah, it's going to be who's going to turn up on the day, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those races where you're going to have probably four or five people that can go under. Um, but can they repeatedly do it? I mean, the last Olympics, the South African girl did, um, but she just hasn't done it since. So I think she went 220 recently. So you're probably going to think she's going to get under again. But yeah, it's it's quite wide open. It's just so strange uh, and interesting as a as an onlooker to see what pressure does in those situations to people. And we, we saw it, I guess, with Summer McIntosh at the last World Champs, not these ones, the one before in the 400 free where, you know, she went in all but, a, you know, everyone's backing her in. Ah, oh, she'll win. The, it was the 400, right? She'll win, she'll win. And, and she got she got a lesson from, from Marianne in that. Um, she's since gone on to c- keep doing well, and I think she's she's knocking off records and doing well now. But again, those aren't in that high pressure under the pump with all the world's greatest swimmers around you looking at you like they want to eat you for dinner. Yeah, and you've still got to get up and produce it. So therein lies, you know, when we we talk about performance and high performance and and the area that you, I guess, live in and and probably you know you, you relish in. And that's the big difference between what we do as age group coaches and and all that sort of stuff versus that side of stuff. And as I said, for me, is it just a an observer? It's interest. It's fascinating to watch. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not fantastic athletes and they're not talented and supremely talented, but it makes a difference. And you know, we I sort of really digress back to Jody and and Athens in that that moment. Um, and the difference between like there's probably a lot of girls around that time that were as quick as she was roughly but she was able to execute in the moment yeah that's where you know i've looked at for a long time um you know our our olympic gold medalists from australia come from a strong national event where there's pressure frequently through the year or years, and most of the time it's 
plural, it's years. So these swimmers have come up in tough events and have got hardened. And, you know, when I went to Denmark, it was one of those things that, you know, you could just see it. Like there wasn't that depth. And in 2016, the one event that it did have depth, Denmark had an individual gold medalist in that 53. Yeah. And Penilla was chasing Janetta for years and they'd be, you know, who was going to win? They had to bring their A game to win in, in the years leading up. Um, I remember the first time that Penilla beat Janetta in 2014 and she went 24-5 that year. Um, she had two years of grounding in pressure, whereas, yeah, like Janetta for the 100 fly, no one could get within four or five seconds of her. Rega would win the 200 breaststroke by 20 seconds. Yeah. You know? um, so those smaller nations... They have great athletes, unbelievable. But how do they, how do they find that subconscious pressure um, that that only competition can bring? You know, and so they've got to go and try and find it elsewhere or manipulate it somehow. Um, but uh, that's why it's so important. I think that. That we're constantly looking at our depth in 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 our in in Australia. If we want to produce gold medalists, it's not just about trying to find the super talent. It's actually trying to create a faster event. Well, the greatest example of that at the moment in Australia is just women's freestyle from the the fifty, the hundred, the two hundred, the four hundred. Yeah. Um, there's no wonder why when we go to world champs and uh, Olympics, we're we're ranked up there because usually some of the fastest women in the world are all in that like again you know that this olympic trials final of the 100 and the 50 and the 200 to make a team yeah with all of these big names i can't imagine a campbell sister wanting to get on the blocks and not not be at their best and be on a team again that's all they've known for how many years Mm. so they're going to want it and then you've got Shayna Jack who wants her moment. She's not really had her moment yet. Yeah. If you know what I mean, individually, she's always there and about. She's always brilliant, but she's not had a standout moment. You've got Emma McKean, you've got Molly O'Callaghan. So uh, that's the perfect example right now. No wonder why Australian women's freestyle, especially, as we said, 50 to, to 400 is so hotly contested um, when they, and then they go and execute. So to prove your point, Yep. Spot on. Yeah, you've only got to go back and look at the gold medalist and then have a think about and the depth in that event. And it's pretty strong, very, very strong correlation. Yeah. No, I love it, Shannon. All right. Now, it's about all we've got going on today. Now, I did have um, someone get in touch with me, Shannon, and say that he would refuse to listen to the podcast anymore if he didn't get an update of the lawn. Now, that person oh. is our stats guru, David Clark. <laughs> so, David, uh, I'm going to put it to Shannon now. Here you go. Don't, so I don't do nothing for you. Shannon, how's the lawn going? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mowed, I mowed the front yesterday, actually, um, and uh, it's looking quite good. I, I was nearly going to take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, that one's going good. 
some of my uh, there's another patch out the front. I've got two sections at the front. One's going gangbusters. That's the the largest section. The smaller section that gets a bit more grass is a little bit patchy. So that's been my project backyard. You know, I think I've said how I'm trying to get the uh, cooch to take over. Yeah, I'm very How's happy that with going? that. That's, that's going good. good. Yeah. Only a couple of uh, spots that are bare. Beb and uh, as Elspeth, Els- well, here we go. Elspeth stopped saying you've stuffed it. Yeah. And now she's actually saying, oh, I can see how it's going to look. <laughs> Don't you like with the at home, it's all, you, you're almost guilty till you're proven innocent. So oh, it's, it's straight away like, no, this is Then as slowly, actually, I can see what you're doing there. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you might know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, and also, Shannon, since we're giving out Piccolo Roma, the great uh, Italian restaurant out at Homebush, um, the the lovely lady, I can't remember her name, but she she said to say hello. Uh, oh. she, said she can't wait to see you again when you come back up and go over for dinner. So for all the listeners out there, if you're ever at Homebush, um, Piccolo Roma, great Italian restaurant. Um, do yourself yeah, a favour. Fantastic food. Drop in there and let them know Shannon Rollison sent you because they love Shannon there. He's like a celebrity. You know, <laughs> like those um, restaurants, they get photos with people and put them up on the wall. I'm convinced you're going to get a photo soon put up on the wall somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but the listeners, you've got to understand, these people keep the restaurant open for Shannon. Like he'll, he'll call them at late at night, hey, listen, I'm coming over. Just keep the kitchen going. And they go, all right, Shannon, we'll keep the kitchen going for you. They love him. Love him. I mean, it didn't help me get a discount dropping your name, but I mean, I tried. <laughs> I certainly tried. <laughs> but it was it was a good feed. We had a, a lovely pizza. So, yeah, it's good food, eh? Oh, it's great stuff, and they're lovely people. Very lovely, very accommodating. Always looking after you. So, lovely people. Um, before we wrap it up, Shannon, with your fantastic song of the week, drop the pilot. Get yourselves ready for this, people. Um, <laughs> what do you got going on for the rest of the week? Uh, I'm home this weekend, so uh, pretty relaxing after last weekend's uh, horsepower weekend. So don't know, Elle and I will probably go. Some. Oh, uh, how how could I forget? Yeah, we're going out to a winery for pizza and wine. Four Winds Winery. There you go. Uh, you like a bit of a wine tasting? Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Where's that? I like at? the drive. Oh, to be honest, yeah, nine times out of ten, it's about the drive. So the further it is away, the happier I am. But um, doesn't yeah, no. it dri- like doesn't it annoy you driving though? Because you got to when you then you got to drink and then you got to watch how much you. Well, you're supposed to spit it out. Oh, I oh, that's not not me. <laughs> not this guy. If I'm testing it, it's going straight down. <laughs> I went once with my dad and uh, my brother when he was down. And dad never been um, wine tasting or anything. He's not. He's into a, he'll, he'll have a wine if I'm having a wine. Anyway, um, so they come out and they do the whole thing and the grapes and all that. And dad's deaf in one ear, so he's not even hearing what's being said. He's just waiting for the green light. <laughs> and anyway, so off we go. And we're having a little taste and, you know, swirling it around your mouth or whatever. Dad's just sculled it. Yeah. <laughs> And then followed it up by, I can't taste anything. Yeah. 
said, yeah, that's because it never hit the side. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. The big one at the moment is gin. There's a lot of... Um, oh, yeah, L's in the gin. There's a lot of gin going on at the moment, gin tasting. And when we're over in um, Bustleton, did a bit of winery tours and stuff like that for distilleries. And, yeah, the big one was gin that I noticed. Obviously, I'm not big on wine, so wherever people went for wine, luckily they had a bit of gin or different stuff. So brandy, a bit of brandy. But anyway, yeah, you, well, enjoy, you enjoy yourself. The price of alcohol just went up, didn't it? The tax, you know, and petrol. So, you know, the government was going on about um, state street tax cuts and then two days later they're adding tax to the petrol and uh, alcohol. So take with one and give with one and take with the other. Started on these people, bloody governments and their tax. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, don't get me started, Shannon. I run my own business. All right, I'm me and the tax man are not friends. I can assure <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, just when you think you're getting ahead, and you think, yeah, yeah, we're going, we're doing well. The tax man knocks on your door, says, "Oh, you got that much? Yeah, yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, sweet, give me that. Great." <laughs> We'll come back. We'll come back again in three months. Sweet. Oh, it's like it's almost like a standover, man. Really, yeah. it's like that's what it's like. It's like you, you're doing business for this uh, mafia type guy who every three months just knocks and gets his cut. That's <laughs> what it's like. Yeah. They don't put it like that. They put a lovely lady or someone at front and pretend like it's all oh that's just fair and that's what it's like. It's basically just. The mafia getting their cut. Anyway, they just call it the government instead of the mafia. Anyway, <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> let's let's, let's uh, go to Shannon's song of the week, people. Um, let this play you out. Hopefully um, you'll have a great weekend. As I said, if you are going to Metro, if you're listening to this, um, do yourself a favour and try and pre-look at parking and stuff like that. For the coaches, I don't know if the N-Swiss car park's going to be available or Usually if we get out there early enough, you're probably going to be safe, but um, just have a look at that if you've got to come from training and you're getting there later because it is going to be chaotic. Um, and the last thing you want when you're already running late is not being able to find parking. And then you end up doing something stupid like me and just parking somewhere where you shouldn't because you're like, F it, that's it, I don't care if I get a – have you ever done that? Have you ever just gone, nah, don't care if I cop a fine, I'm parking wherever I want today? Nah, no. Nah. I like money. No, I, I don't care, I just think. I'm not wasting my – because every moment that the clock ticks is moment of your life. I'm not going to waste moments of my life looking for parking. True. No Good way. Point. I'll cop the fine. My wife hates that theory, though. She doesn't <laughs> – we, we disagree on that thought, which is why I try and drop her off early so she doesn't know where I park. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people, have a great weekend. Uh, thank you very much for joining us again this week on the Shannon Rollison podcast. And let's finish – Shannon's song of the week, uh, drop the pilot. Let's see how this goes. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. 
head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.